Well, we come to the end of uh, the series on Ephesians today as we, uh, we get into this whole armor of God uh, business in, in chapter 6. Um, I really didn't know what I was completely getting into when I was uh, planning this, and, and this has, for me, been a really great experience. And I hope that uh, going through the book of Ephesians like this has been a blessing to you uh, as well. Um, this whole armor of God thing, as that was being read, did any of you get a, like a mental image of maybe like a Roman soldier in your head? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Paul was thinking about. I mean, he was living in the Roman Empire. He had seen more than his share of Roman soldiers wearing that armor uh, that he kind of describes here with a little bit of differences. And he puts some interesting meaning into it. And, and, and this is one of those favorite passages for people you know, when they read the Bible. And... Uh, um, it's actually the, uh, the theme verse for our confirmation program. You know, we call it just 611 for short, but it's actually a reference to Ephesians 611, put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And, and so really what we're reading here, it's a, it's a picture of how God prepares us. Catch that. It's how God prepares us for spiritual warfare. And, and the book of Ephesians is, is really all about spiritual warfare. It's, it's woven through it over and over again. All the way back in chapter 1, it talks about the prince of the air who is at work in this world. And even again today, we get into this idea of principalities and powers that are at work in this world to lead us away from Jesus, lead us away from our salvation, and, and to lead us into death and destruction. Because once you were dead in trespasses and sins, but now you are alive in Christ. Once you were darkness, now you are light. You know, there's these powers at work in our lives. And, you know, it's, it's, that's what spiritual warfare is. That we would be either led toward Jesus or led away from him. And Paul's very concerned about this, you know, as any pastor should be. And he's looking at his congregation there, and he's encouraging them to stand fast in the faith. And so he starts out, and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Now, got to be really clear about this word, be strong. Because I, I think that there's a temptation when we read that to be like, yeah, I need to really just kind of buckle down and do it. That's kind of the American way, right? You know, we're just going to discipline ourselves. We're going to make this happen. Uh, that verb is passive. It should maybe be translated something like be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's not that you get to be strong by yourself. You are dead in trespasses and sins. You're not bringing anything to this. Jesus raised you to new life. So where does your power come from as you live in this new life? From him. Be strengthened. Draw on his power at work in your life. The power that you get in the word and in the sacraments is as he does his thing in you, as he gives you his grace, as he feeds you, as he strengthens you. Be strengthened in the Lord. And, and why does that matter? It matters because we're in this great spiritual battle. The battle is not against flesh and blood. 
And it talks about these, these powers and these, these principalities and the, the, the dark, present darkness and all of these things. And, and so he's saying, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the clothes God gives you. These protective clothes that God has placed upon you in your baptism that you may be able to conquer, go forward, take the next station. What, what's, what's the word? Stand. That you'll be able to stand. In fact, take a look at this. I've got four times that's circled in just this section here. Stand, withstand, stand firm, stand therefore. The picture is not that we're going to go out and we're going to conquer the world. The picture is Jesus has conquered the world and God has placed his armor on you to stand in this world as his child, born again, living in this world as his representatives, as his peacekeepers, as, as those who bring the good news. And so he urges us to, to stand in God's strength, wearing the armor that God gives us. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I think that's, that's so important for us to, uh, to keep in mind because remember that in Ephesians, this whole controversy begins because the Jews and the Gentiles are kind of pitted against each other. And there's this, this ethnic tension that's going on there. And one of the things that the devil loves to do is he likes to pit people against people so that we think that people are our enemies. People are not our enemies. People are the reason that Jesus came and was incarnate and died to pay for people's sins, including yours and mine. The enemies are those who lead those people into death and into darkness and into dark deeds so that they walk in darkness instead of walking in the light that they walk in hate instead of walking in the love of Christ. And so he wants us to remind us where the battle actually is. And I think this is really important too when we consider our own walk of faith. You know, that we go through and where's the struggle? It's, it's not with what you know, your boss said to you and it's, it's not with you know, the argument that you had with your spouse and it, it's, it's not with, you know, that person who cut you off on, uh, on eight on your way north, and you know, that's not where the struggle is. The struggle's against these principalities and powers of this dark age. And what can you do with that? How do you overcome that, oh human? You don't. Because Jesus did. And he gives you his armor to stand against them. And so he says, stand there for. Now, you know, this whole, this whole thing with armor, I think that we get a couple different mental images here. And, uh, you know, since we're talking about Romans, I, th I think that it's good to remember that Romans had different kinds of soldiers. You know, this is a representation of the Roman legion. And they're getting ready to go out, aren't they? They're getting ready to go out and to, to conquer 
because that's what Rome did. I mean, they conquered the whole known world. I mean, it had been done before, but, uh, you know, the Persians did it before, and then the Greeks did it, and, and then, you know, here come the Romans, and, you know, it's just, you know, kind of this successive, you know, who, who can be the biggest and the toughest and the baddest. And, uh, and so the Roman legion was the baddest at the time, and they were very incredible warriors, partly because of their technology, uh, but partly because of their discipline. They were, they were amazing. They would go forth and they would conquer. Veni, vidi, vici, right? Came, saw, conquered. And so I think when we hear this whole armor of God thing, our minds tend to go to this because we're like, yeah, I want to be one of those people that goes out and, and you know, conquers and overcomes and, and all of that kind of stuff. But don't forget that there are also other kinds of soldiers those who remained in the places that were conquered to keep the peace. Those who were there to stand guard duty, who remained behind after the legion went on to their next conquest in, in order to make sure that the laws of Rome were upheld there to keep the peace there. And I think that this is the kind of soldier that we're called to be. Are, are any of you planning on going to a, a foreign nation anytime soon in order to spread the gospel? No? No, you're called to be right here in order to be God's representative here, to be a, a messenger of his peace here, to stand, to be his Guard here. Because Jesus won the victory for you. And so we live in that power and, and, and in that, 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 that great gift that he has given to us. And we stand as his people. And we wear the armor that God has given to us. It's his armor. Every piece of this armor is, is referenced in the Old Testament as God wearing it pretty cool stuff when you when you go through and you, you study it you know and it's like oh God is dressing us in, in, in his own armor because well armor is kind of distinctive and it sets the person apart that well that's so-and-so's armor I know who that is except it's on you he's marked you as his own and so he says stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and shoes for your feet with the, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And all of these, all of these have so, such deep significance. Now, um, I don't know about you. My belt is like this uh, thin strip of leather. I am very thankful for it because it does keep my pants from sliding down. And uh, that is a good thing. Uh, but when it talks about this belt of truth, um, you got to think in terms of the armor that the, uh, the, that the Romans wore. And the belt that they wore wasn't just this strip of leather that um, held their pants up. It was also this, uh, this part that hung down in front of them uh, to protect some very sensitive regions, so to speak. You know, and it strikes me as, as I read that where he says, you know, to, pro you know, to put on the belt of truth. Does truth have anything to say about us sexually? Absolutely it does. 
and how we conduct ourselves with one another? <laughs> yeah, it does. And, you know, so sexual temptation is one of the ways that the devil works in this world over and over and over again. Read the Old Testament, because this is really at the heart of the idolatry of the Israelites that led them away from God. And I would submit that the devil, the devil's not very creative. He just kind of keeps repeating the same things. And when you look at a lot of the maladies of our society, how many of them are related to, you know, just kind of unbridled sexual desire? You know, just think about human trafficking and the pornography epidemic and all of those things. They all come back to this. And he says, you know, to put on this belt of truth. To be protected by the truth in that part of your life. And he says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, righteousness protects us. This breastplate, you know, goes over, you know, really from your shoulders down to about your hips. So it protects all of these vital organs that are, that are in here, your, your, your guts, you know, your lungs, but particularly your heart. And boy, one of the ways that the devil works in us is he seeks to give us a bad heart. I'm not talking about, you know, you know hardened arteries and, and those kinds of things. I'm talking about the kind of heart that doesn't love. The kind of heart where that love is turned inward. Jesus turns us outward to love our neighbors. Remember, the Jew-Gentile thing. Called, called to love each other. And he gives a new heart. In fact, I think we had something about that in the liturgy, didn't we? Was there creating me a clean heart? Was that part of the confession today? Yeah. We need this clean heart, and God's the one that gives it. And so once he's cleaned it, what do we do with it? it. How do you protect it? With his righteousness. His righteousness which leads us to live righteously. This righteousness that he declares to us that your sins are forgiven. Protect yourself in that forgiveness. But then seek to live in that forgiveness. To live as a person who is righteous. So that it protects our hearts. To have shoes on your feet that are really all about the gospel of peace. And I think this is such an important image. You know, when you walk through this world, there's all kinds of pain, isn't there? You know, I remember this one comedian talking about, um, this was years ago when we were first getting into the stuff in the Middle East. He said, we don't need to send our soldiers over there. We just need to send our kids and their Legos so that they drop them outside of their places so that when they come walking out in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, they become crippled from walking on our kids' Legos. There is something about stepping on something that will just completely ruin you. And the same thing is true in battle. You need to protect your feet. And Roman soldiers, they, they, they wore sandals or boots that protected their feet. And what protects us as we go through this world? It's the, God's peace. It's this peace that passes human understanding. It doesn't even make sense. But we have it because of Jesus. And as we experience the pain of life, we can continue to be at peace and continue to have joy. And he says to take up this shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, the shield, it requires a little bit of, uh, of explaining. Those of us from northern European stock, we tend to think of shields kind of as these round things or, or maybe as kind of these uh, um, oblong 
These shields were rectangular. They were about four feet high, wood frame, and they were covered with leather. And before they would go into battle, they would stick them in water overnight. And maybe you're thinking, darn, that sounds heavy. I think so too. Um, But because it was soaked, if they came into flaming arrows, when those arrows hit it, the leather would put out the, the flame in the arrow. So they were protected from those flaming arrows. Well, what are those flaming arrows? I think that they're the temptations that the devil pours on us all the time. And when you think about this shield of faith, what is that? Well, where did you run into being soaked in water? In your baptism, where God gives you all of this armor. And there's power in your baptism to be protected from temptation and and the schemes of the devil. He says, take up the helmet of salvation. You know, the helmet protects your head, right? If you're wearing it right. Um, Your brain is in your head and your mind is, is, is in there. And God's salvation transforms the way that we think and the way that we act. And all of this is God just doing his work in your life. And he says to take up the sword of the spirit. And I got to tell you that I'm not sure I've gotten this right for most of my career. Because I'm like, finally, an offensive weapon. You know, uh, who needs all this defensive gear? I, you know, I want that sword. I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, Lord of the Rings, that big old sword that Aragorn carries. And, you know, ooh, yeah, finally, ooh. Except I'm not so sure that that's the sword that he's talking about. A sword was not the Romans' first weapon of choice. It was a, a, a pilum. It's kind of a spear-like uh, weapon. And the swords that they used tended, not all of them, but tended to be short. The gladius. About that long. And yes, it does have offensive uses, but it's primarily close quarter defensive weapon. And he says that that sword is the word. And I think to understand this, we have to think about Jesus' temptation and how he pushed back the devil by quoting the word. That he would just speak that word in order to protect himself against the temptations of the devil. And we have that same word in our own lives. I think God is calling us to stand guard duty, to be his army army here, dressed in his armor, protected by him. Not to go forth and conquer, but to be representatives of his victory over sin and death and to proclaim the hope that we have in Christ. So, So how do we do that? Well, Paul tells us that We do this by praying at all times in the Spirit. And if anything is our weapon, I think this is it, that we pray. Which, you know, sometimes doesn't feel like doing much, does it? But who are we talking to when we pray? The one who has dressed us in his armor. The one who seeks to act on our behalf the one who has redeemed us, the one who saved us. And if he has done all of the things that he has done, how will he not answer our prayers? And so he calls us to pray at all times in the Spirit. 
You know, and there's talks about supplication and all these things. It's all prayer. Calling out to him, God, do what you do. Bring your salvation. Bring life. Bring healing. Bring peace. Use us in the process. But he's the one who's doing it in us and through us. And friends, that's what I think of when I think of this place. And that's what I think of when I think about an expansion for this place. I keep wondering, how do we bring Jesus' peace to more people? And there are all kinds of different things that can be done. And we're trying some of them. We're using this property. We're trying to find opportunities to, to connect with people in ways that they aren't church because people aren't that interested in church right now. But they are often very interested in Jesus. And they're often very interested in what the love of Jesus moves us to do. And so when I think about the expansion of this place, it's really all about how do we create space to have those opportunities to bring the gospel of peace into more people's lives. To put this armor of God on more people through baptism, through the proclamation of the word. To draw more people to this hope that we have, that even though there is a power at work in this world, there is a greater power at work here that brings life and salvation. Coming up, is it September 23rd? We've got the read-through for the Law of Love. And it looks like, once again, we'll be doing this in the sanctuary. And it's not ideal. And I think it's better to do not ideal than to do nothing. But how do we create those opportunities to do things like the dramas that we're trying to do? To bring people here through concerts to find the opportunities to have those soft contacts to bring the love of Jesus to more people. This is a tool in order to help us to share the love of Jesus and to allow us to gather to receive that love and maybe to polish up our armor a little bit as we hear about God's love and forgiveness again and again in the life that he's given us life that people out there need too. And they may not even know it. And so, you know, as I think about all of this, you know, put on the full armor of God. God has dressed us beautifully in our baptism. Share it. Share it through soft. Share it through all the different ministries that you're involved with. Share the hope of Jesus that he has given to you. Amen.